Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price $999.99. APR while supplies last. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Hi, everybody. Uh, before we start the show, we just wanted to say a quick word about the passing of Antoine Hubert. And uh, obviously, it's a very sad thing that always to see somebody pass, but especially in a sport like this, um, where fans tend to get complacent about how safe it is. And perhaps we don't acknowledge enough sometimes that the sport is inherently dangerous. And we need to come together and just pay respect to how dangerous this sport is. Um, this Obviously, it rocked the community. It rocked Formula One. It rocked IndyCar. Motorsport in, in Motorsports in general. Um, the family. There's a tribute in every single uh, discipline of racing um, mm-hmm. held this weekend. Uh, the World Endurance Championship had a moment of silence. Motor, uh, MotoGP had a moment of silence. IndyCar had a moto, mo- moment of silence. So um, across the board, it was uh, a shock. And it kind of reveals the point that, again, no matter how safe we make this sport, it will never be safe enough. The inherent fact of somebody going 200 miles per hour is dangerous. And nothing we can do is is going to make that not dangerous. So I, w- I would say that what we as a community need to do is we need to acknowledge um, safety and we need to use this as, as a spur to improve the safety of racing across the board, no matter what the discipline, even down to, you know, motocross or something like that. No racing is worth the loss of life. And if we don't do something about safety and we don't acknowledge you know, further acknowledge how dangerous this sport is, it, it almost makes Antoine's death, you know, worth nothing, right? We need to make this death save lives in the future. And, you know, take steps to to learn what happened to, um, like you said, improve the car and, you know, and while maintaining the the risk that goes along with the cockpit uh, open wheel racing it's 
you know, um, I think Damon Hill put it best. He was talking about um, spa as a as a track, but I think it applies to uh, motorsport in general. It's both beautiful and terrible, mm-hmm. and this is inherent nature is dangerous. It's inherent. It's it's it, it is the very essence of it is that there is danger involved. Um, and you're never going to get rid of all of it. So while we do need to learn, we also need to accept that this is part of it. And, right. you know, we've been <clears throat> saved from it, I guess, for a long time. Um, you know, granted, I, I'm not taking away from Jules Bianchi's death or anyone else's that the, these things happen. But, um, you know, it, it is it is always a shock and it all, it is always a, an appropriate time for reflection and um, seeing if there's anything that could be done to um, save a life, mm-hmm. and and that the, you know, there, while it is dangerous, I, I also agree with Michael Schumacher. There's no reason someone needs to die in a car, right? But you need to realize that it is part of it, and um, you know, I I would I, there is solace to be taken in the fact that Antoine was doing what he loved, and. Um, you know, in a twisted way, in a, in a weird way, um, you know, there you there is peace to be made with the fact that he was doing what he loved, and he probably wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, obviously, obviously, but, but the beautiful thing is that I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but the beautiful thing is that everybody who races knows the danger and they're aware of the danger, even if the fans aren't always, and they've made that bargain so to speak. Uh, Lewis Hamilton said it best. He said, you know, we know that this is dangerous. The fans need to respect that, but we know. And the feeling I get, certainly I don't speak on behalf of Antoine, but I will simply echo what I've heard racers around the globe say, is that if, if something happens to us, we know that that's a possibility, but we do it because we love the sport. And at the end of the day, you know, we've already made that thing. The sport has to go on. We we value the sport. So I'm not saying let's, you know, crank cars down to 50 miles an hour, but let's improve safety and keep the sport going on in his honor. So we're going to do – Tim and I don't drive cars. Uh, we, <laughs> we do drive cars for our commutes we, and all that stuff. We don't race cars. Yeah, we don't drive cars very fast in the grand scheme of things. Well, it depends on if I'm late. But what we know how to do and our little niche of the racing world is to carry on in our own way. And that way is to continue covering. But not only to continue covering, but to try and be funny and be lighthearted because that is what we're about. So don't mistake you know some of our joking in this episode um to not be in remembrance of antoine in fact i would like to dedicate this show to you know him and and his entire family it's not out of a lack of reverence for his death it's It's out of respect for him and for the wishes of racers around the world that we carry on doing what we love yep and i don't think that antoine i don't speak on behalf of him but i don't think that he'd have it any other way so with that, we're going to throw it right into the show. This is the Formation Lab. 
Welcome, everybody, to The Formation Lamp, the only podcast on the internet ex- available exclusively on the Jeremy Renner application. So if you got the Jeremy Renner app, just look for all of our comments. That we will, we ha- You can find our podcast there. If you're listening, it's got to be through the Jeremy Renner app. So it, it, it does, and he, he, he'll have you on the Jeremy Renner store on Amazon, mm. and uh, we might be featured at his local rock show where he drives a Jeep. <laughs> Hey, have you seen, do uh, you think Jeremy Renner was in Belgium this weekend? Probably. He's Probably. everywhere. Hawkeye uh, is everywhere. Oh, uh, man. Have you seen the app he has? <laughs> he, he, I'm sorry. There's an app. I thought we yeah, were just No, kidding. no. He has a Jeremy Renner app. You can oh, pull up your phone right now and Google Jeremy Renner app. It's literally just Instagram, but the only person I'll have to post is Jeremy Renner. And all the fans can, you know, say things, but they monetize the upvotes. So instead of upvotes, they have stars, and you have to pay Jeremy Renner for more stars to upvote people. <laughs> I'm good, bro. It's just Instagram, but the only person allowed to post is Jeremy Renner, and everything else is comments on how much you love Jeremy Renner. So, And he's actually involved with this? Yeah. <laughs> he has a video of the opening. He's like, this is just you know, a way for me to connect with my fans. And you have to pay to upvote? He gives you 100 free stars. But an upvote is like 10 stars, and you have to pay for new stars. <laughs> the, the, yeah, you, yeah. I, whatever. So this is the only podcast available exclusively on the Jeremy Renner app. We thank you guys for starring us and uh, upvoting us and uh, giving us all giving Jeremy Renner all of your money in order for you to listen to us. So uh, praise be to Jeremy Renner. But praise be. Praise he, be. He's probably in Belgium, and, um, you know— it's kind of a somber weekend. I know we touched it on that on that before the show. It it was a somber weekend, and that kind of took the punch out of what was all in all a five for five race. Formula One had a pretty good race again. It was fun. Yeah, it had drama. It had you know you didn't really you hoped uh, Leclerc would pull it out, but um, you didn't know there was less it's than a solid a, maybe. Right? There I was, don't know. There was less than a second between Leclerc and Hamilton. At the final, at the you know, at the end of the race, if there was one more lap, that might have been a Lewis Hamilton win. Forty-five, forty-six, it would have been a Lewis Hamilton win for sure. He was hassling him the whole way. Yeah, and Formula One. All right, let's let's uh, let's let's do our little clap. Formula One, you're five for five on on pretty good races. I'm not going to say that you know this was a world beater race, but if this is what your races are going to look like, if this is the baseline, I'm sold. Sweet, I'm sold. Um, let's, let's break it down. All right, let's, let's go through. We have uh, a ton of teams had a ton of interesting weekends. This has been just a forewarning. This is going to be a kind of a long episode because there was a lot that happened in F1 in IndyCar in the news. Buckle in ladies and gents. We're going to be here for a minute. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So let's start with Ferrari. That was a huge weekend for Ferrari. I mean, I, you, you love to see the church bells ringing out at Marinello and sure enough, there they are. Ferrari, it's first win in... Quite a while. Uh, long time. Yeah, long time. It's been a, about a full year. Uh, their straight line speed, which has been the talk the entire time. is The entire season. The entire since, season. Since preseason testing, their straight line speed has been the 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 talk of the town. They're going to do it. They're going to be there, you know, uh, from all the press. So <laughs> We saw it this time, though. We we did. It almost lost. But yeah, we <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah, that's the thing is um, it's interesting to me that their straight line speed came in that handy when um, half the track at Spa is basically just one long medium speed corner, right? Like yeah. you, you would think 
Maybe that's where Mercedes gets out front, but the straight line speed uh, coming out of La Source all the way down to the Kimmel Strait. I, I know Oroge and Radion are, you know, they're, they're up for debate. Apparently, it's still going on this year. Yeah, uh, that's Radion actually. Yeah, you know, your hoity-toity friends are going to tell you <laughs> all about it. But uh, anyway, I know that complex is technically uh, two turns, but uh, for the purposes of Ferrari and F1 cars, that's that's a straight. straight yep. um, you don't lift off. You, you take accelerate. it flat out. Right. So. It turns out that that whole section was just enough to keep off Mercedes for exactly 44 laps. Because if there was a 45th, Lewis Hamilton might have pipped him. Yeah. So, uh, great weekend for Charles Leclerc. He takes home his first victory. Um, Real quick, that uh, the podium celebration, when it wasn't really a celebration, it was a nice little tribute. Tribute. Well, uh, it was a it was a respectful moment Mm -hmm. to yeah. And uh, that was really classy. And I everybody wearing black armbands. Mm-hmm. It, it it sucks for Charles that that had to be his first moment because usually you'd want to see a guy go wild, but that almost means means more to have that you know have that kind of celebration. It it does, but isn't that kind of it fits in line with his career and his life. Because you have, you know, Jules Bianchi dying, your godfather. You have your actual father dying. And then you have a good friend of yours dying the day you take your first, you know, victory in in the Ferrari. Yeah. It's, wow. I mean, just the mental fortitude that young Mm -hmm. man has um, is just wildly impressive. It's well beyond his years. It's also it's also interesting. It's great to see him win something because you can see him – his infamous radio thing in Germany when he when he crashed out, the, he he seems to beat himself up a lot, and it's kind of it's kind of um, sad to watch. A lot of times it's because he takes it hard. He takes himself. He takes it hard on himself. Basically, he, he does beat the tar out of himself. But and you're you just want to be like Charles. You're, you're, <laughs> you're in a Ferrari. You're doing great. Yeah, like you're taking it to the four time world <laughs> champion. It's okay. You're, you're you are. If anything is a surefire bet on you know career and future of Formula One, you're basically up there with Max Verstappen. On you're gonna he's gonna be important for a very long time. I can't wait to get to him later. Oh man! But uh, so it was great to see him finally have a moment where he can be happy. You know, um, let's talk about the other the four time world champion. We're talking. Uh, his teammate Sebastian Vettel I didn't hate the drive he had I thought it was a perfect rear gunner Mm -hmm. and he said as much saying that he was you know playing the team role he made that Ferrari as wide as possible and held the middle of the road and so that Hamilton couldn't pass for as long as he could Mm -hmm. and it was just enough to get it done exactly if he Um, does anything less than a perfect job and he does one lap short of a perfect job Hamilton has Leclerc and ultimately in a race where you can't win, and we'll talk about this in IndyCar, you you kind of need to be a company man, and you need to be like, let's make sure that my team can win this thing, even if I don't. And uh, that's something you saw. That's something I really like about Valtteri Bottas, and it's something I really liked about Sebastian Vettel. Is even though and Kimi Räikkönen last year, mm-hmm. who was made to do it, and it's more, you know, well, and, and it is the Ice Man. You're t- he's just like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, um, you know, for Vettel to put his. Uh, his pride aside for a bit and play the team game as the elder statesman who is clearly not as quick as his compatriot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very, very cool to see. And especially for Ferrari who needed 
a win in the worst possible way. They needed it so bad. And and that's the other thing, too, is Vettel needed, needs one, too. This is actually marks a Marinello year's... Marinello needed some champagne. They were getting <laughs> they a did. little strung... They were strung, strung a little tight. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. The, Vettel needed a win as well, but for him to put that aside and say, we need a win more than I need a win. It's been about... I think it's been exactly a year. This is the year anniversary since he's last won. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was cool to see. It was very um, refreshing to see him become taking a, a different role, right. evolving as not only a uh, a teammate but as a sportsman. Right. Um, that's very very cool. And the thing that I'm excited about is that it that sets the stage nicely for Monza. It really does. Oh, dude, the Tifosi here are going to be wild up in there. Yep, and those two. Charles has, has proven that he is ferociously fast, and so is Vettel. Vettel is very, very good at qualifying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he, he got bogged down with traffic, that's probably not going to happen again in Monza. They're going to time it perfectly, or at least one would hope. You know, with Ferrari this year, you never really know. <laughs> Throw it in. Who knows? Uh. Um, but I think that it's going to be a very, very good weekend for and um, you, know, you know, coming up, it sets the stage nicely. It's going to be a blast. Absolutely. You know, if you're fast in a straight line, name a track that's better for you than Monza. There are none. Like it, none. it's, it's yeah, none. It's that's a, it. It, it. for the IndyCar listeners who don't know Monza, first off, what the heck? But you know, it, it's basically a straight line. It's <laughs> it is the Indianapolis of of the Formula One world. It's just stupid fast and. You'll see, I think you're going to see a chess match play out in that both Charles and Vettel, whoever is uh, whoever's the quicker, my money's on Charles, uh, the slower is just going to have, is going to be chess matching for the entirety, for every lap is, okay, hold him back. How can I hold him back here? I don't care about catching up to first place. I need to make sure that maybe Max Verstappen, maybe Mercedes, I need to make sure that they aren't, that they stay on my tail. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to see a version of Vettel this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be hungry, really, really, really hungry. Absolutely. He's a four-time world champion for crying out loud. So, And it always means more in Monza to the Ferrari drivers. They give their hunt. That's their Exactly. They, that they is, give everything in there. And, you know, for Vettel, it's going to be no-holds-barred duel. So mm-hmm. it'll be, be fun. So Vettel holds off Mercedes. Mercedes comes through with a second and a third. Hamilton, then Botas. A terrible weekend for Merck, I think, all things being said. Obviously, if you're Mercedes, you're used to one twos and one threes. But, I mean, if we're being honest here, first off, they said, hey, we're at a disadvantage straight line speed-wise. But we didn't believe them. But they actually were. If we're being honest because here, they, if you're they do dis- take they do take sandbagging to an art form. <laughs> it gets elevated to, it's just like, oh, mwah. you know, Toto, that was, it's just perfect sandbagging. You're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they might be really fast this weekend. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Toto. Appreciate <laughs> this, it. It's this- almost guaranteed to be baloney. <laughs> Yeah, this is the 1% of the time it was actually accurate. Like, yeah, they, it, they were at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, Toto, you got it right. Yeah. And, but, and, and while I agree with you that the end result wasn't that bad, I would argue that it was actually a, a dog of a weekend for Mercedes, not only as a team, but as a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you had two pretty spectacular um, Mercedes engine failures in the Williams uh, with Kubica's car mm-hmm. and then uh, with, I believe it was Stroll's car. Or was it uh, Perez's car? I think it was Stroll's car. But there was a spectacular amount of smoke coming out of the back of that Mercedes. Um, So two Mercedes power units that um, 
came through poorly. Um, and then you also had uh, Lewis Hamilton and FP3 putting it into the wall. Uh, it completely um, unexpected mistake from him. Yeah, it uh, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it revealed to us that uh, perhaps those Mercedes power units are, shall we say, it, we're we're looking at possibly what could be the end of their dominance, and even if they aren't, even if they still are dominant, they might not be as dominant as they once were. We're we're seeing we're seeing, we're seeing the, parity, right? We're, we're seeing, seeing some the, the all the engine manufacturers coming mm-hmm. up. Um, we're seeing a little flaws in the armor of the Mercedes brand. We're also seeing for the first, uh, you know, well, the first I've seen from a McLaren driver, a split between McLaren and Renault, and a possible a rumored. Return to Mercedes. Which is an interesting time to go back to Mercedes, isn't it, though? It's an interesting time if McLaren wants to go back to Mercedes. It's an interesting time because I I think Mercedes is still dominant, but if I'm a team, I want to jump on the team that's on the up-and-up right now, and I don't think Mercedes engines are on the up-and-up. No, but McLaren uh, can't go back to Honda, That's which true. is on the up and up, <laughs> yeah. because, A, you you didn't just burn the bridge. You nuked the bridge. <laughs> there, the bridge is gone. There's the, no the landmass land no, on any, either side of the bridge completely now. Completely gone. Way to go, boys. You went you went from a bridge to, like, Hawaii, where there's, like, eight hours of, of water on either side of you. There's nothing. It's just over. So, um, but, uh, you know, and the Renault engine isn't what it should be no um and the updates that well we'll get to that later but um you know carlos signs had was not mincing words (laughs) oh um you want to talk about heartbreaking radio communications like charles leclerc no it was the the landos yeah landos oh that about broke my heart let's jump forward to mclaren all right so we've we've said what we need to say about mercedes actually i have one other point i want to make about mercedes which is that this race showed to me why they chose to stay with Botas, especially when you consider the exact same things we said about Sebastian Vettel this race. Uh, you know, Botas did the exact same thing. Valtteri did a good job of. I have a. We know we have a killer, and his name is Lewis Hamilton. I don't need to be a killer. I just need to be the guy that finishes right behind Lewis Hamilton, or if he has a bad weekend, finishes at least on the podium. Why Why do you need two killers? If you need two killers, that's what happens when you have, you know, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. And then there's a lot of crashy, crashy stuff. Right. And- you don't want two killers. You want a Valtteri Botas to sit there and be like, all right, whatever you do, Lewis, I'll make sure that I am pretty much right behind you. I am playing the complimentary piece. Right. Uh, it's like... Um, it's it's like a big... If you, if you have all... It's Schumacher lead- and Rubens Barrichello. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's like a band. If you have all guitar lead guitars, it sounds terrible. Somebody's got to be the bassist in there where not many people appreciate the bassist, but at the end of the day, he's what carries, he's what makes the song complete. Yep. And that to me this weekend, hey, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. And no matter what you do, I'm just going to make sure I'm right behind you. Perfect job from Valtteri Botas. He'll be watching you. Dun, 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 dun. That song's a creepy song, my man. <laughs> oh, it is horribly creepy, which is why it's funny. The, the better, the, the obviously it's creepy, but the, many people don't know it's literally written about his ex-wife, <laughs> which makes it even creepier. Now it's awkward. Yeah, yeah, it's um, weird. Anyway, let's move disaster on. Disaster at McLaren. Disaster at McLaren. Oh my goodness, uh, Carlos Sainz DNS uh, into a not classified position. He gets caught in that first lap, and. So you sit there and you're like, hey, man, Lando Norris is in 
Hey, that's that's not too shabby. And he he dived through the field mm, at the like, start, like P11 a snake, to P5. Snaking he just, through he, the position. He did it perfectly. And mm. it was a precarious position with the first lap. Going in turn one, there were some people that did some things, and we'll get to them here in a bit, that they shouldn't have. And that caused, obviously, some crashing. For Lando Norris to keep his head, to place the car as perfectly as he did and come out, that would have been an insane result. And he almost had it. He was one lap short of having it. One lap, lap short. I One. One. That's the kind of thing that, like, that's that's one of those things, like, when you're a kid and you, like, draw up, um, you know, your dream races on your little, you know, carpets or whatever. Yeah, you know, the little carpets you had with roads all over them. You're playing with Hot Wheels. You're like, oh, no, he crashes on the last lap. That's how bad it was. It's like... Is a little kid, that's the worst case scenario you can think of for Seriously. the bad guys, is crashing on the last lap. And uh, Lando fails. He's running in fifth, which is a, a phenomenal result for Lando, and it would have been his season best result. He goes, we lost a very good result, what was going to be my best result of the season. But at the time, I think— And therefore of his career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's the Here's the interesting tidbit of this quote to me is— but at the time, I think there, are, I think other people are in worse situations than I am right now, and what we are as a team. So although we're disappointed, I don't think we can be happy with our situation. I, unhappy. unhappy. I don't think we can be unhappy with our situation at the moment. And this actually kind of belayed a bit of maturity to me. It revealed that he might be more mature than we expect out of a rookie doing this well at McLaren. I think I'm just wildly impressed with this current crop of young drivers mm-hmm. Leclerc being just w- so wildly ahead of where he should be maturity wise I'm used to Max Verstappen who gets really pissed off and shoves people who, when yeah who by the way is shows shows a lot of mo- emotional maturity this year yeah. yeah and it's and that's outstanding but you go to Charles Leclerc with his you know blaming himself it's his fault success is external and failure is internal for him. Whereas it's flipped for a lot of other people where it's always ever someone else's fault if they're failing. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of that with Claire. You see this out of Lando Norris being able to go from being in the car and that gutted uh, on the, you know, on the radio call. And you're just like, no. And to go from that into the paddock where he takes some press questions and have a measured response like that. And, yeah. and that's a quick turnaround. So that's awesome. And then you have Alex Albon, who's also getting, giving incredibly mature, calm, measured responses to the press. And then George Russell, who could easily take the depressed, oh, my God, this is just the worst car ever. Everything's wrong with it. What does that sound like? Lance <laughs> Stroll. But, you know, it's a, he says, you know, we're working on it, and we know that we have some improvement to make. He's a company guy. He takes the company line. And at their ages, that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. I am so excited for what's to come. It's interesting because the most unlikable young driver across um, a number of disciplines, uh, I would say probably across IndyCar, NASCAR, F1, is actually in IndyCar. And the, and the yes, most most of the is. most of the likable young drivers are found in Formula One. So it's it's one of those things where Formula One, if they aren't careful, are going to come up with the IndyCar problem of we don't have a lot of people to stir up drama. 
and they don't need it. They, no, they don't. You need know it. what? I'm cool with that. As- I don't need drama to be. I I want to see on track good sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. I want to see him, you know, duking it out, and then maybe give a scowl here and there and say, "You know what? He he outraced me. Well done." If they're angry at each other, they can figure it out, like uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, Max Verstappen did in Austria, right? Like they can figure it out in ways on in ways on track where they're you know battling each other maybe harder than they should be. Uh, you don't need the F1 is going to create enough drama as it is without drivers who are drama machines, yep. so to speak. So it's it's really, really awesome to see that Lando Norris. The other thing about this Lando Norris quote, and we'll, we'll go through it again here, um, is uh, at the same time, I think there are other people in worse situations than I am right now and what we are as a team. So although we are disappointed, I don't think we can be unhappy with the with our situation at the moment. That also belays to me that in McLaren, there's a culture of, um, hey, we're going to float on. It'll be all right, you know. Uh, it's better than where we were. Right, exactly. Um, I, I've been listening to Modest Mouse recently, and uh, the song Float On, you know, it's like, hey, here's a bad thing. I crashed my car into a cop car the other day. But it's all right. We're going to move on, right? And I think that is the that is the attitude we see at McLaren right now, and it, it reveals to us that, hey, it, Bad things are just going to happen every once in a while, but that's okay because we are optimistic about our future as a team. And honestly, that is worth so much more than a, a new winglet being added to a Haas. It is an attitude and a culture of we're going to be okay. We're on an upward trajectory. It's fine. We're good. We're talented. We got this. Tough luck, mate. Soldier on. Right. Exactly. That's what it, that's what it is. Exactly. And, yeah. And then to see Carlos Sainz, who gave a rather blistering um, you know, quote about the Renault engines. Um, we'll pull, <laughs> but but you, I'll, I'm going to pull it up. You you explain what happened. Yeah. So Carlos Sainz, uh, he uh, he is not pleased. First off, Renault had a bad week. My God, uh, Renault, Renault should be our freaking loss of the week, our our, uh, our uh, wreck of the week. Anyway. Renault engines have been questionable all season, and Renault just can't seem to find anything. They're threatening a full restart uh, in Renault, and McLaren is a happy customer right now. you have it yet? I do. I have it right here. Now, granted, take this with a grain of salt. This is from Grand PX. Uh, never heard of these guys, and I don't see it attributed to a whole lot of other places. Um, but he surprised some of the paddocks by saying he expected more from Renault's latest engine upgrade. There have been three engine evolutions, he said. I didn't notice the first or the second ones either. So he's saying none of the three have been that great. Um, <laughs> then it's Bob signs and Lando Norris had engine problems, prompting Spaniard signs to be critical of Renault once again. These two situations are a little un- unacceptable, so you'll have to talk to Renault about that. Um, and so that's what people are, are, well, especially those in the Spanish media are saying, are fueling their speculation that Mercedes is actually what being eyed for a McLaren um, return. Yeah. So, and it's, you don't, you don't know exactly how that's going to pan out. You think, well, you know, is Williams going to keep that Mercedes backing? You know, what, what is going to happen with Williams? You know, we've talked to Todd about it. it you know, are they going to stay in business? Are they going to fold? Are they going to sell? Are they going to just, you know, close up shop? You don't know. So, you know, will they be looking for another supplier um, here in the not too distant future mm-hmm. in 2020 and beyond? So, um, you know, Mercedes, from Mercedes' point of view, adding another wouldn't make a whole lot of sense right now. But if they're looking to maybe do some research on a new engine formula, 
they might actually entertain that idea if you're you know selling to a team that's going to give you 20 million a year sure all right let's talk about uh, a no- so Mitch McLaren let's talk about another team actually that had a- actually okay I have a nice segue for this McLaren is having Renault issues and reliability issues much like a Red Bull used to have, <laughs> and that leads me nicely into Red Bull, who had kind of a mixed bag this weekend. <laughs> kind yeah, of. See, see what I did there? <laughs> I'm getting to be a professional, folks. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say that um, that was uh, more of a that was such a good segue that like if if that if the founder of sitting on that segue oh he would God. he would still be with us today. <laughs> That is an I'd obscure have saved his life. That is an obscure Luke only joke right there. If you yes, get that, congratulations. But uh, that is that is the Luke of dad joke. <laughs> um, so they had a mixed bag. It's Alex Aldon's first time out in the Red Bull. He's an exciting driver. I've said it for a while that I'm excited by him and his mm-hmm. um, measured responses. But um, he found a way to go from the back <laughs> of the grid to take advantage of, to be in the bird dog seat and wait for Lando Norris's inevitable failure mm. and take P5. That's an impressive drive. What we say about, about Valtteri Bottas is that you already have a gunner if you're Mercedes. You don't need two gunners. You need Steady Eddie playing the bass over there, right? Alex Albon, to me, is the Steady Eddie that just played the bass out of that Red Bull band because you have a gun is is Max Verstappen, right? Alex Albon is there because... When when Max is finishing high, I need to finish right near him, which he would have. And if he doesn't finish, I at least need to salvage points, which he did with spades. And that was a beautiful performance from Alex Albon. It's the thing that Pierre Gasly could not do. Right. And he got in the first time out. He had just started driving the car like two days before. He didn't even get to take it down for a shakedown lap. No. Because everything was closed. Right. So the first time out was FP1. In that in that Red Bull, so I'm just I'm wildly impressed by that, and Max Max was actually the negative part uh, of the weekend, uh, especially um, for uh, me because I'm going to actually throw him into the wreck of the week nominees okay. because he decided to take a dive into turn one, lap one, and. Max, you're not going to make that turn. <laughs> this this is Spa, all right? Spa is Spa is all about speed and it's almost to me an endurance race in in that the length of the track presents itself to where you you need to get through it's this about four mar- and a half miles. Right. Yeah. You need to get through it as a marathon. This isn't it, why it's an epidemic. Drivers are trying to win the race on the first lap. We saw it in IndyCar. Don't race. Don't try and win the race on the first lap of 500. Here, don't try and win the fir- the the race on literally the first corner of a four and a half mile track that you're doing 45 laps around with a couple good, two good overtaking points. It, why? What are, you, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? This is it's especially when you already are guaranteed. If you did nothing and started fifth and finished fifth. That's fine because that's not really a terrible result considering the nature of the track and the nature of how good Ferrari is this week. And I think that you, you're speaking to a point that I heard first uh, when I first started getting into racing as a thing, watching the Tour de France with Lance Armstrong. He, you know, obviously, granted, you know, dope to the gills. I get it, guys. <laughs> I get it. Don't don't tweet at me angrily. But <laughs> head back to he, make a joke. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> So what I but what he did say that has uh, rung true for me is mm-hmm. that you cannot win, or you for the most part you can't win these things on the first stages. 
you can lose it. Yeah. So you can't win it, but you can lose it. And so what Max did, he went, they're going in three or four wide. It's obvious that Kimi Raikkonen can't see where he's going to dive in from, and he just puts the car there as if he has the right to it, and he doesn't. Right. Which, by the way, I wanted to point out, into La Source, which is maybe the most wreck-infested corner on the entire calendar. Everybody should know going into La Source, play it safe, because there's going to be an incident there on the first lap. That's that's That hairpin is it's a wreck-fest. And so I think... I think the reasoning Max probably did it was to try to be aggressive and show something cool for the Orange Army. But in doing so, he did not make it up Eau Rouge. It was over by the top of the hill. And it's just, you know, come on, Max. Especially after we've harped so long about how he's matured. And don't get me wrong, he still has matured an awful lot. This was what I would call growing pain. It is is you have to temper your expectations. It's what Tony Kanaan, on our last episode, we said something about Tony Kanaan got on the podium and they asked him why he wasn't gunning for it earlier, and he said, why would I race when I don't have to? Yeah. Why Why do I need, if I don't need to make a move, why am I going to roll the dice on it? Right. There's no reason to. I'll save my I'll save my bullets for later, yeah. and I'll be good at the end of the race. And Keep your powder dry. Exactly, exactly. So, it was a it was a rough rough week for Red Bull. I want to get to this uh, helmet Marco quote real quick uh, about Alexander Albon. Uh, quote: Alexander was Alexander was not able to have the pace we should have on straights. We tried to remedy that with radio, but we did not fully understand each other to make the necessary changes. Let's stop right there. That is not that to me isn't very damning of of Alexander Albon in the fact that the dudes had three days in the car. Uh, if you can't, if there's a little niggle in the car that's going wrong, uh, three days is not enough to learn that car. <laughs> Helmet, dude, <laughs> chill. But but here's here's the second part of the quote. Uh, but especially at the end of the race against Ricardo, Albon was really cr- great. Of course, he was a little lucky to be fifth, but he was still great. And that yeah, was that was I'd a agree with that. that was a great. I, I like that because Helmet goes, here's what was wrong. We had something, an issue that we didn't get fixed, and he acknowledges that, but he still goes on to say, Alex was phenomenal this weekend, and it he was. Rightly so, he was, yeah. So Red Bull, I think you should be happy about that driver that driver swap. While Max had his first mistake in a while, mm-hmm. still a bright spot with your second driver. Which, yes. Which, should have happened a few races ago, because then maybe you'd actually be mm-hmm. ahead of Ferrari. Exactly. That wouldn't, that would, this good result, This it would have been a disaster, not a mixed bag, if they still had Pierre Gasly in there. Yep. So let's uh, move on to, why don't we move on uh, down to Toro Rosso, because uh, Pierre Gasly actually had a pretty nice weekend as well. Not bad, and I'm sure he's out with something to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He just watched one of his good friends pass uh, with the— a Fellow uh, countrymen as well. Yeah, fellow countrymen. Um, and he came out, and he had a good weekend. Yeah. Good for him. Good job there for Toro Russell. Let's... And, but, hey, way to go, Daniel Kvyat. Yeah, seven. Holy seventh. cow, way to go, buddy. It's always it's always crazy to me to see— Get in there, Daniel. To, to see Toro Rosso as good as they are, considering they're a minor league team, right? They're, they're a B team. They should be at the back. Yeah. <laughs> they're, but they're they, actually doing really well. Right, they exist for nothing other than to give Red Bull data and drivers, and they're still doing better than teams like Renault, who exist to win. <laughs> right. And Renault, uh, it's, sorry, Force India, um, you know, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. How are they? Who cares? You know what? Go for uh, it. So the other big team that had a uh, big story, I would say, this weekend, um, there are two. One of them's Haas and one of them's Alfa Romeo. We'll go into Haas. 
Uh, they return to Magnuson spec for this race, and they still come up 12 and 13. And as the race went on, they just they couldn't defend Perez for forever. And once Perez was gone, the floodgates were open, and they cycled back down to what I consider the natural position, which is out of their points, out of the points. You should not be getting your hat handed to you by Toro Rosso. No, no. Frickin' Racing Point India. Force India. Force Racing Point. <laughs> Force Point. Look, Team Stroll. <laughs> team Stroll. Team Stroll and uh, the other good, and the good driver. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, the only man – here's what gets me is they played defense. Uh, they had a good start, you know, a good qualification, but they only played defense. They could only play defense for nine laps. It's that's that's not, not enough. long it's enough not to play defense. Enough, guys. Sebastian Vettel played defense for half the race. <laughs> Over <laughs> half the race. So. Yeah. Yep. You held off a, a pink car for nine laps. And here's uh, Gunter Steiner's quote. is uh, Almost the only place to pass at turn five, you need top speed coming to the straight, and that was our problem day. Otherwise, the car was performing, but it wasn't good enough on top speed, obviously. We still have work to do, and I think we can get close to what we need to do. We just have to keep on working. Everybody did a good job, and we just have to try to keep on fighting. So that's what we'll do. This is an interesting point to me because that's as, as positive as I've seen Gunter in quite a few weeks. And I think it's great. I'm glad to see Gunter happy. But I wonder. But he doesn't have that much to be happy about. <laughs> right. I wonder if he and the team got more valuable information out of that race than any of us watching did or any of the pundits. I, I think they know something we don't know on how that worked. And it, it, if it's some, if it's not something in the data, then hopefully it's something on the horizon. Right. Like they're happy about, I don't know, bringing Hulkenberg in. Right. To replace Grosjean because, holy cow. Grosjean, oh my God. Grosjean, you're killing me. Um, Here's the other thing, too, is, and I'm, I'm processing this in my mind right now. When they were interviewing um, Gunter Steiner from the pit wall, which they do all the time, which is always almost absolute gold. Um, he, it is always they a- were like, absolute gold. It's they were perfect. like, hey, you know, Magnuson is doing a great job of holding off Perez. And he's like, yeah, he was very much, yeah, they'll get bias. That's fine. I wonder if we, the fans and the media, bought into the idea that Magnuson could hold off Perez and they knew, no, he can't. What we are actually shooting for is literally 12th. We know that he's not going to get that. I wonder if we, as fans and as reporters, took the bait that Haas was like, that's bait. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, yeah. And But again, Gunter doesn't need translation. No. And he'll, and if he's telling you, yeah, that's not going to happen, guys, then, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Which which is exactly yeah. what he was doing the whole race. I it mean, was great. He was just like, hey, you know, that's the, the, he's going to get by us. And, you know, long may he reign at Haas. <laughs> uh, they need new drivers. They need better backing than, uh, you know, money laundering energy drinks. Um, over in the rich energy corner. <laughs> yeah, as I glance over at the weird ZZ Top guy looking at me. The rich um, energy. <laughs> there have been other people who have kind of started using this studio on a, on a week-to-week basis, and they're asking me what all the designs are, and I'm like, just leave them up. They're good Why luck. don't you listen to our show and yeah, find come out? On. Um, um, but oh, anyway, on to... Alpha. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you were It excited. was not Kimi Raikkonen's fault. It wasn't Kimi Raikkonen's fault. And I get that the stewards no. said it was a racing incident, but I put that blame firmly onto Max's shoulders. And, you know, I've been lauding him all season long. I don't feel badly about that. It was a mistake. He was overzealous. 
a young man getting caught up in the fact that he had this orange army popping orange smoke and he was really fired up and had a really cool helmet. He just put it, you know, it was a really dumb move. And then Giovinazzi, what are you going to do? At the, at that point, that seat is up for grabs. It, it is. Um, it was. So let's start. Kimi Raikkonen, the thing that heartbreaks me is, is he qualified sixth. That's a phenomenal job of where and that Mercedes alpha was saying that they were worried about Kimi. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. I would lo- be worried about one of the coolest cars on the grid. Please, Mercedes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then it's just dashed. It's dashed in all of 10 seconds until it get, you get the, the source and it's it's gone. Maybe not even 10 seconds. Probably about five. Yeah, it was it was instantly. So Giovinazzi is coming through, and he, he is on the last lap. He's going through, I believe it's Puhan. Puhan? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe it was Puhan. I apologize if I butcher the pronunciation of that. Again, St. Louisans don't know French. We just say, you know, Bell Fountain. Uh, anyway, but uh, Giovinazzi just loses it. And I understand that that is a tough corner. I play it in Sims enough to know that, like, ain't no such thing as an easy corner at Spa. that thing. But yeah, was, that was bad. There's... Losing it and going wide, and then there's just completely spinning and shunting straight into the wall. Which, by the way, there's a lot of space between the track and the wall there, and he ate it up quickly. He completely overcooked it. And and... Giovinazzi, um, all due credit, he uh, apologized publicly to Alpha for that, and he did what we said earlier, which is acted like a grown-up about it and did not blame, oh, the car or oh, this. He just said, hey, you know, I cooked it and I wasted a lot of points. But uh, Giovinazzi, his seat's got to be up because Kimmy wasn't your problem here, but you still threw away a double points weekend between your two drivers. Well, I don't know if they threw it away. I think they they could have salvaged a points weekend. They were sabotaged with it. Mm -hmm. So I I would say that Alpha needs to take a good long look at Giovinazzi's seat and say, we need, I don't know, a Mick Schumacher in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so we have two other teams we want to mention. Uh, double points weekend for Racing Point India, uh, 6th and 10th, and that to me, to my mind, is just about as good as you could ever hope for in a weekend for Racing Point India. And for Perez, you know, just getting that three-year extension on your contract and you turn in a 6th place, respectable. Hey, it's, yeah. been a, it's been a turbulent year of ups and downs. Uh, good for him. And Stroll in 10th, I'd say that's a great weekend for Otmar Safnauer and I don't think, the whole team. I don't think if you're a Racing Point India, you, your, your ideal weekend is anything better than a 6th and a 10th. Nope. No, no. And I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. All day. Uh, Williams, my only point with Williams is uh, I'm wondering with how that team's struggling both financially and on the grid, how that's going to affect an engine blowout because uh, engines – one, when they blow out, they don't just blow out. One thing I've learned in drag racing is when something breaks, a lot of things break. And uh, that it takes ex- a lot out with it. That's expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that's you that's know, my it's... only thing for Williams. It's just, I, I, my heart hurts for the team, but, and that was just a terrible and I only, stroke I, of luck. I only have a note here uh, that's just a sound for Renault. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, Renault but that's had that. A, Rough week. We'll get into Reno a little bit in the news. But until then, we will jump straight in to the IndyCar Grand Prix of Portland. Yes. The Formation Lab. All right. Well, IndyCar had quite the weekend at PIR. That's Portland International Raceway. I think Scott Dixon willed away his horseshoe prior to this race. You want to read what uh, what our outline says about that? 
Yeah, Scott Dixon must have willed away his horseshoe prior to this race because it is now lodged inside of Joseph Newgarden. We hope it's been sanitized, but, you know, <laughs> that's, up to, only that's hope. up to you. One can only hope. It's up <laughs> it's to you. It's been sanitized. <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Joseph Newgarden. So, obviously, this is second to last race in IndyCar. It's Championship a, is coming down to the wire. It's down to the wire, and that's why it was so interesting. Newgarden seemed, uh, he had Scott Dixon's horseshoe. And he got somehow got caught up in a number of incidents, and he got out caught free. So, let's talk about the lap one incident, which... Uh, you saw uh, he qualifies in a lowly P13, and Graham Rahal decides he wants to go bowling and get a strike with the entire backfield of IndyCar going into turn one at turn, Portland. Again, turn one. Turn. And it was, you know, everybody, the first part of the field gets through pretty clean. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, Graham Rahal just decides to launch it. And, like, what what did, did Max Verstappen and Graham Rahal get together before these races and be like, hey, you know what would be awesome is if we both shunted it? Yeah. <laughs> Just, just take everybody out. It was go bowling. It was like shockingly said. similar between the two, wasn't it? It really was. And here's it the, was like, what are you doing, you chuckleheads? <laughs> Chuckle, and then a whole nother word. Because like the thing is, is that IndyCar is an even longer race than Formula One. I understand Formula One, even though I said it's kind of a marathon this week. It's a sprint compared to the length of of these IndyCar races and how and the, the amount of, yep. the amount of miles they take. And that's part of the charm is that hey, you know they're. They're not quick, you know? Uh, no. But uh, the thing is, is that you, again, the disease of trying to freaking find your, or win your race on the very first was, oh, my God. Anyway, but uh, so he goes bowling, and you know who the person directly behind Graham Ray Hall is? Was that Joseph Newgarden? Oh, it happened to be. You know who got through without literally a scrape on his heart? Pulling heart? an Alex Rossi. <laughs> just 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 perfectly cutting through that field. Yeah, no no kidding. Keeping his head about him which I'm sure his I would I would love to see his heart rate at that moment because <laughs> I would have just been like there goes the year. It's gone. Right. It, and he, and he's okay and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> how would he do that? Well, the great thing too is that part of the beauty of IndyCar I tweeted out is that it's just chaos. Like <laughs> Who knows? Who knows Place what's going to happen? Place your bets. If you would have said Will Power would take two victories this year, sure. like at Pocono and at Portland, which are two very different tracks, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? But Newgarden, to me, is championship material in yeah. this race because he, he qualified a lowly P13, which is, I mean, it would have been enough to really open the question, open the door for a championship run, which it still is open. Don't get me wrong. But uh, he manages to fight his way up to P5, and really he was only five seconds behind Will Power. Like, he made that time up by quite a lot, and that to me is what a champion is. A champion isn't the number of races you win. The champion is how often you you fail to DNF, how often you might, you How might consistent not win. you are right. about right. You, you might not win, but you're in the mix of things. Yep. It's what separate. It's it, baseball, right? It's why the Yankees and the Cardinals are two model organizations because even when they're bad, they're still not really that bad. Even when they're in down years, they're still kind of in the mix. They are, and you know, like the Cardinals 
are leading the Central Division in the National League right now because it's Pump the it di- <laughs> because it's well, it's the division no one apparently wants to win. Yeah, no. So, but that's the thing though: it is consistency wins championships, not flashiness. Absolutely, and yep. it's. It's why uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. It's why Lewis Hamilton it wins year after year after year because Lewis Hamilton, even on his like, oh man, you know, I just had a really really bad race. He's still finishing third, fourth, fifth. Right. Still on the podium. Right. Exactly. Um. So that to me showed Joseph Newgarden uh, uh, why he has this championship run. And the other thing is, is Joseph Newgarden didn't make too many super gutsy plays. For, no. And he was okay with fifth. And that, to me, shows that he's learned from his mistakes at Gateway. There was no need at Gateway for him to try and push around Santino Ferrucci. No matter what Ferrucci did, tuck in behind him and just right. finish the race. Absolutely. Um, the question is, is when it goes to double points next week and, and everything's on the line, and we'll talk about clinching scenarios, is he going to buckle? Is, is he going to get greedy and make that mistake? No. No. I don't think so. You don't think so? Nope. Because he's seen the pressure at Gateway. He yep. saw the pressure at at at, at uh, Pocono. I, I he think doesn't seem like the guy a... that wants to be aggressive. He's the guy that knows he's playing the long game. I think. I think. I see the opposite. I think I see that he gets too aggressive when he doesn't need to be, as evidenced by his finish at Gateway. At Fair excuse enough. me, Worldwide Technology Raceway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Simon Pagano uh, fought back from a terrible 18th place qualifying. He finished his seventh, and that's again another one of those statements of, "Hey, you know why you're in the championship hunt is because even when you have a terrible week and literally qualify second, you know, or not second to last, about fifth to last, you're you're still going to fight your way into a top ten. And he saved his title fight, title hopes. Right, yep. he saved his title hopes. Um, he's only one point behind Alexander Rossi, who finished on the podium this weekend. It's impressive. It is. It was an impressive recovery drive for him. It is. And it, you, you didn't see him get caught up in much. No. He, you just, he just went about it. Yeah. Uh, Rossi, to me, is uh, the where the crux of this is. Because there was one incident. I understand people want to go with Ryan Hunter-Rabe, you know, going bowling with the mitt backfield. That's one thing. Graham that, Ray Hall? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Hunter-Ray is who we're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, right. Graham right. Ray Hall went bowling with the backfield. Ryan Hunter-Ray is, to me, the incident that I've zeroed in on, and I'm like, that and I completely is inexcusable. Yeah. So, and it, full dis- Alexander Rossi fan. That being said, I think I, I'm looking at— I'm You're biased. I'm uh, right. <laughs> I'm biased, and it, my opinion doesn't count. Anyway, but the, looking at this from a neutral fan, this is I wrote this segment as a neutral, right? Let's talk about lap 14, all right? Alexander Rossi has pushed a pass, turned on, and he is running right behind Ryan hunter Ray, who's a teammate. He swings out to make a classic IndyCar pass on the outside, or actually would put him in the inside because turn one is a right-hander into that chicane, and Ryan hunter Ray blocks him. Not only does he block him, he blocks him hard. Yeah, I was going to say that it's not just the block. It's not... It's not like you did a small defensive move. Mm-hmm. You went out three to four car lengths yeah. out of your way. Yeah, because— And, you know, that—guys, that, that guys, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's like going three or four lanes across a highway to stop someone from going past you. Right. It's a huge move that he made. Well, and he doubled down on it, too, because if you, if you watch it again, you see Rossi make the initial lurch to the right, and you see Ryan Hunter-Ray lurch right, and you see Rossi trail right further— 
and he trails with him. So that's not only him going, I'm blocking your initial move, but I'm doubling down on however wide you want to go. You aren't getting this position. There's a difference between work for it and, you know, block it. And You're that, on the same team, guys. Right, right. And not only that, but he's so obsessed with blocking Rossi that he cooks it going into turn one. You can see Rossi hit the brakes, and Ryan Hunter Ray is still on the accelerator. He's way past the breaking point. Way past the breaking point. Cooks it, and he takes out. He took out Jack Harvey. Um, which, by the way, had a phenomenal moment uh, where Jack Harvey's sitting there in his crash car and Ryan Hunter Ray is like sitting there and Jack Harvey looks at him and just goes, <laughs>, laughs at him like, well done, buddy. <laughs> nice, bruh. Yeah. But so this is this is where, to me, the big the media story is because this, to, to me, says there's got to be a problem. Somebody in Andretti, not just Ryan Hunter Ray, effed up. Because he, hear me out. Ryan Hunter Ray can't justify that because his teammates in a title shot. We saw Sebastian Vettel play defense all weekend, right? All all race earlier that Sunday. Ryan Hunter Ray needs to do the same. It's important to his team that, you know, I understand I want to get a good finish, but it's also important to my team that this teammate of mine has a title shot. I don't need to be I don't have to give him the position, but I don't need to be aggressively blocking him to the point of sinking my own race. And not only – and I need to make sure that he does what he can do and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to interfere with him. There's money on the line for Andretti, a lot of money on the line, a lot of merchandising online, sponsorship rights, sponsorship rights, which, by the way, might come back to you, yep. Ryan hunter That's a lot on the line for you to get petty over – a in, position. In, yeah, over a position that isn't even all that great. It wasn't really that high of a position. And for me, I think where I come down is that Ryan Hunter Ray not only put that you know put a lot on the line. You know, it's not just the team's position, Alexander Rossi's championship. He put the cars in danger. He put himself in danger. That was a that was a bold, you know, strong move. And he and he wrecked one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so you cost your team a car. You cost Rossi time. And it, what did you gain? What were you thinking? You were so preoccupied with Alexander Rossi passing you that you didn't even think of yourself or the team. Forget Alex Rossi's title ship implication. You need to be thinking, hey, it's lap 14 of a 100-lap race. Well, like, there's, what? There's what no through? need yeah. to crash out right now. Right. There was, it, was a, it was an absolutely needless you know, thing. It was futile. It it really, really was. Uh, he would eventually come back out. He finished 81 laps. Jack Harvey actually got taken out, taken out there on lap, uh, completing 13 laps. It It's kind of crazy, too, that he didn't – when he blocked, I don't think there was any team radio of his spotter or crew chief or an Andretti getting on there and being like, what, what, no, 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 what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? Um, I hope there was a talk afterward. There needs to be. There, yeah. there needs to be. Um, there has to be. If there isn't – I'm going to recommend Helmet Marco go over. Yeah. Well, and how much do we talk about the value of being a company man? And that's exactly what they needed to happen was they needed to be – he needed to be a company man at that point. Yep. Um, it, You're going to make money if your teammate wins the championship. You're going to make peripheral money or at the very least your car is going to get better because there's an influx of cash to your team. Yep. It's ridiculous. Rossi gets around it. Uh, thankfully, Rossi got around it because he jumped Pagano by one point. He gets a sit second – only 41 points behind, and 
that is actually not a whole lot because the next race is double points. If this were a normal race, that gap would be about 20 points. Yep. And that's that's a that's a good chunk. He and, yeah, you, you have the calculations later, but it's impressively close. Yeah. Uh, Felix Rosenquist uh, takes home second place, jumps Santino, Santino Ferrucci for the Rookie of the Year campaign. Good for him. Uh, and uh, great weekend for Colton Herta as well. He started in pole position, takes home uh, fourth. He had a rough final pick. Uh, it was a pretty entertaining race. I, it, it was fun. A lot of passing, a lot of intrigue. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're absolutely right. Bit... That early on uh, wreck from Ryan Hunter Ray really kind of set the stage for the rest of the race and had me scratching, being like my head and being like, "What mm-hmm. is happening? Why did that happen?" It was a, it was a bit of a letdown, just a tad after the excitement that was a gateway. But if that's going to be the baseline, that wasn't a bad race. I yep. wouldn't say I've seen. Five, I've seen three Formula One races this year that were way worse than that. Uh, hashtag France. Um, <laughs> and Formula, not to say Formula One's doing bad. Formula One is actually kind of av- like it's been so we're good on the lately. upswing, right? Uh, so, changing scenarios. Uh, special thank you to Reddit user Windy Man for the type up. I kind of copied this, but this is all. Thank math. you, Reddit. We yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, this is all math. It's not like uh, nobody else knows this but him. But I figured I'd give him the shout out because. He crunched the numbers, so let's talk about New Garden. New Garden wins the championship if he finishes fourth or better. If he finishes with fifth and Rossi and Pagano don't score too many bonus points, mind you, pull is one point, you let a lap is one point, and you lead the most laps is two points. And he can win the championship in fifth if Rossi and Pagano don't have too many bo- bonus points. For Rossi and Pagano championship, if they win the race, New Garden must finish fifth, uh, sixth or worse It is the feeling. Uh, they can get away with Newgarden finishing fifth if they score two or three bonus points, two for Rossi, three for Pagano. And uh, if they score two or three more bonus points than uh, Pagano. Dixon has to win, and Newgarden has to finish 23rd or worse. Dixon's out of it. They, that's it. It's that, just over. Yeah, that's that. So basically, Newgarden hey, knows— Scott, what a season you've had, sir. Right, yeah. It's Looking been... forward to seeing you next season. <laughs> right, I'm sure— This is a down season for him, which is crazy because he— Still isn't mathematically eliminated in the final race. He's practically eliminated. With two DNFs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the last two races. He's still not mathematically eliminated. How? How? Uh, it's that signature Scott Dixon consistency. Just, uh, just amazing. Uh, if So basically the thing is Newgarden needs to finish sixth. Uh, Rossi and Pagano win if Newgarden doesn't get a bonus point. If Joseph finishes 7th through ninth, bonus points don't matter, and a race win is a championship for Rossi or Pags. Again, Rossi and Pags are only separated by one point, so they literally... They, those two have to race each other. Newgarden has to race for the top 10 is, is the key here. That's why I favor Joseph Newgarden, obviously mathematically. It's his to lose. Right. Yeah. Um, but... He only has to race that top 10. He does not have to race another guy. Rossi and Pagano, if they are near each other, they're going to fight. Yep. And uh, that's that's why I think Newgarden is, to me, I think he's going to pull it out. Because you don't have to worry about that much. Uh, no. You don't have that thing here. All you need to do is just finish six. So... I really, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to favor Joseph Newgarden. You got any, uh, any... Any qualms? Nope. I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's his to lose, and we'll see him on the top step. You think? The definition of professional sports. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just a reminder. Uh, Will he be the first IndyCar winner with braces? 
Ooh, that's good. We'll have to go back and, and Google that. Have to do a history search. Yeah. All right. We'll bust out the media guide for under B for braces. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was IndyCar at Portland. We're going to get going, and we're going to go into the news and our awards coming up right here on the Formation Lab on 101 ESPN, exclusively on the Jeremy Renner app. <laughs> the Formation Lab. Welcome back, Rob, to the news. It's time for the news. How you doing, Rob? I we have a listener named Rob somewhere. We have to statistically, right? So I'm just thinking, let's freak him out a little bit. <laughs> it's time for the like, news. I was like, bro, my name's Tim, but <laughs> Rob. Hey, Rob. What's up, Rob? What's up, dude? Yeah, what's up? Uh, you enjoying the show? Good. All right, <laughs> it's time. It's time for the news. It was a really busy week with the news. Obviously, uh, we touched on the passing of Antoine bear earlier and we don't want to belabor that point so to speak um so let's talk about driver shuffling let's talk about schedules that came out um there's only so much we can say about that passing that hasn't been said by people far more eloquent than than you or i so yep let's talk about anything we say will be reductive right let's uh let's talk about the big one esteban ocon leaves mercedes joins renault nico holkenberg is out at Renault, Botas is signed back to Mercedes, and Nico Hulkenberg, this isn't confirmed, but is rumored it's to go to Haas. All but done. All but done. He'll go to Haas to replace Romain Groschan. You almost have to break this down from a driver-by-driver driver, um, standpoint. Um, so let's start with Botas staying. Good move or no? Good. I think it's good. I think it's good for the team chemistry. I think he's solid for them. He can step up when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Esteban Ocon, if he came up, would want to prove something, which would be detrimental to how Mercedes needs to run things right now, which and, is funnel everything through Lewis Hamilton. And Brazil 2018 would prove that. Yeah. Uh, Esteban Ocon, I think it's the best move for him to go to Renault because I think Ren- I think. Renault needs a new driver, and I don't think he's going to do anything but disappoint at Mercedes. I don't think he's the. I don't think he can do what Valtteri Bottas is doing as effectively as Valtteri Bottas. So yeah, I, I agree. Him coming in would be in a disappointment in the effectiveness of Mercedes. So I move for him. Here's an interesting quote from Cyril Abitabul. Abitabul quote: When you make a decision like that in reference to hiring Esteban Ocon. Uh, you don't just look at pure pace. You have to look at the collective dynamic, and there's a dynamic that we need to restart, reset to the team. So Renault feels like they need to hit the reset button on their entire team. It's interesting. It is interesting. Especially with the addition of Ricardo this year. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh. Well, it is interesting, too. But Typically, to m- when you do a reboot, you don't just change your drivers. You change the manager. Yeah. yeah. Like That's what I'm thinking is if you want to do a reset – why just Cyril, it's driver. your head that rolls, right. not the drivers. It's your head. It's engineers. It's pit people. Because here's the thing. We've said this all year. I think every pundit has said this, is that Renault's strong suit is the fact that their driver lineup can go up against any one-two punch on the grid in terms of just pure talent, right? It's the car and the equipment that's letting them down right. this year. If you put every if you put every team in an IndyCar spec car, right – Renault would be one of the best teams. Absolutely. Because the only thing that separates you at that point is driver ability, and they have that out the, out the wazoo. So I don't really think – I think this is just – this is like um, when the general manager of a team fires a coach right before he his butt's on the line, and it's just like, 
Well, I had to do something. This is uh, this is when Scott, uh, when Stan Bowman of the Chicago Blackhawks fired Coach Joe Quinville. <laughs> Deep cuts hockey reference. I like it. Uh, you know, I, but you know, Reno's season has been so abysmal this mm-hmm. year. Their engine development hasn't been good. Uh, their car development hasn't been good. Clearly, McLaren is wiping the floor with them, with their engine, yeah. and still having reliability issues. Mm-hmm. Reliability has plagued Renault for the entirety of the yeah. hybrid era. Which, again, back to the driver point, by the way, you talk about McLaren, no disrespect to the two McLaren drivers, but I think Danny Ricardo is a better driver than both of them as it stands right now. And you're still losing to them. That shows you how bad the car is. Exactly. And, you know, I think for me, um, I think to the Netflix special Drive to Survive where there's a guy with a Renault F1 engine and he's foot cranking it up in this haphazard way. And I cannot imagine a Mercedes engine ever being handled with anything less than mechanical precision mm-hmm. you know and there's just a little there's just a dude kind of foot cranking it up like you would in a barber's chair yeah <laughs> and it's just like that's the type of quality you're looking for and it's Renault has to change something and i think it has to be cyril right you know and i think the same about claire williams you know they they have to change and you know this to me it's like okay cool you're gonna put ocon in it it's still gonna point to the fact that your car is kind of garbage yeah so and it's it's one of the best looking cars on the grid. Oh, that color scheme is incredible. And you know it it should be it's Renault for crying out loud. It's been one of the be- it's been one of the best car manufacturer. It's the biggest car manufacturer out there, and it's one of the be- It's been one of the best cars on the F one grid for ever. It's Renault, been a staple. Right. Renault has more industrial might than any other car manufacturer listed on this grid, maybe combined. Like they're, they're the number of cars and the number of resources are nearly infinite, and they can't figure it out. Here's the other thing: is Mercedes have no rights to Ocon, right? Right. You know who Esteban Ocon's management company is? Mercedes. <laughs> so his manager is still Toto Wolf and Mercedes, but Mercedes has no rights to Ocon over the next two years. Yeah. That's a little complicated, and I think that that might come into play later when it comes to uh, if Esteban Ocon disappoints, if Esteban Ocon does well, mm, well, we need him back. You think he's not going to go sign with a Mercedes if Botas wants to retire or moves on after 2020 or 2021? I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. It's it, like it's anything. It's an interesting negotiation by Toto. <laughs> I Another hat off, hats off to Toto. Why, why can't all the managers be like Toto or Christian? That's just so good. Like any good Formula One story, a guy signing at a team can't just be a guy signing at a team. It has to be complicated. Right, because nothing is clean. So let's move on but to Nico Hulkenberg. Oh. Do not do not cry for Nico Hulkenberg. No. He has another seat. No, he Don't worry about he's it. He's going to get the seat at Haas. He's going to replace Romain Groschan. That's not confirmed, but come on. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more. This is like when Pierre Gasly was not gone from Red Bull. No, sir. It's it's happening. Right. Um, Romain Grosjean is the odd man out. He's the odd man out of this next season. I think Romain Grosjean gets a seat. We've talked about that in the past, where there's no seat for left for an old man, especially as one as unreliable as he is. Yep. Um. So Romain's out. I don't think an IndyCar team would Im- want him. It's kind of impressive that he's made it this far. 
yeah. if we're all honest with each other. I thought he was done after he crashed four times in one weekend at Monaco. Oh, God. So with Lotus. So, you know, the fact that he's still there is impressive in and of itself, but mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think it'll be Hulk. So it'll be Hulk and Matt, the most unsporting driver on the grid. Yeah. And uh, I, I Netflix don't... Drive to Survive is going to be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that driver lineup as a Haas fan. I really do like it. Yeah. That's a be good. solid lineup. Yeah. Um, I, here's the other thing is if you want to cry for Romain Grosjean, go ahead because I don't think he has an Indy car seat. So uh, not to, to me, he's going back to – I don't know if there's – open wheel racing ahead in his future maybe sports cars i mean i'm sure he'll be driving somewhere but he's the probably car, be endurance cars or sports right cars. He'll well, be fine. if i'm an indycar team i don't want his history or he of does crashy the cooking cra- thing mm-hmm. if i'm an indycar team i don't want his history of crashy crashy on the ovals yeah that could kill someone <laughs> yeah uh so what's the other one? Oh, sergio perez signed with force racing point through 2022 good for him yeah uh perez quote I've been impressed with the direction this team has taken over the last 12 months, and that gives me confidence in the future. It's a good it's a good move. I think everybody agrees for Force Racing India. Is it a good move for Sergio Perez? Yes. I would agree. Uh, I think that Sergio Perez, his he doesn't have a better seat available. He could get a better seat, but those top six seats, which talent-wise, he probably could snuff it at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say he's more effective than an Alex Albon, but I, there's, those aren't open. They're never going to present itself to him. No. And he's right at a team where he's happy. He's got a family. He's got a long-term contract. I think it's a good move for him. I agree. And I don't, I don't – yeah, there's no movement upward. There's only movement back. The only thing I could see possibly is a, st- is a seat at Williams, and I don't think he wants to be depressed no, no. for the next three years of his life. So – I think this is a great move for him. Obviously, the other seat is locked up forever. So, you know, until someone, you know, he, Daddy Stroll is never going to let, you know, Lance. Pup, yeah. Puppy Stroll be. Yeah, that's, that's just how it's going to be. All right. The other big one was uh, Kimi Raikkonen pulled a muscle over the weekend. Leading he had to one too many vodkas. Yeah. Did you hear his quote where he was like, I should do less, less strenuous things like drinking beer? Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that guy. Uh, he pulled a will. He pulled a muscle over the weekend. Uh, Marcus Erickson got called back to back up at Alpha. He didn't get any driving time. That's any car implications. He said that going to Belgium to not race with Alpha and missing Portland was quote not ideal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. You know, he's he's not exactly had a great run in IndyCar, so well, he may sitting, as well. I think he's sitting uh, third in the uh, – I think he's sitting third in the rookie standings. So I think he's going to have a – I mean, shoot, if Jack Harvey can continue the race. Yep. Jack Harvey's not exactly the most effective guy. But uh, Erickson was replaced by Connor Daly. And my thing is, Erickson, if you're going to complain about your weekend there, Connor Daly – who, if we just stick you in that seat, Connor Daly got taken out on lap one, which you probably would have as well. Yep. Uh, Connor Daly DNF'd after the incident on lap one, and uh, you probably would have as well. So I think this whole weekend for you, my my buddy, was a loss either way you cut it, <laughs> right? It wasn't going to go well. <laughs> All right. Uh, final bit of news before we move into the uh, awards. F1 and IndyCar released their schedules. Let's take a let's take a long hard look. Let's start with IndyCar. Uh, St. Petersburg, Barber, Streets of Long Beach, Circuit of the Americas is all in order. Uh, Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, then the Indy 500. Detroit 1 and 2 on May 30th and 31st. Texas Road America, 
Richmond on June 27th. Richmond is another short oval, uh, very similar to Iowa in its feel, and I feel like we're just getting a second Iowa. Here's the interesting thing, that if you go Richmond, Toronto, Iowa, Mid-Ohio, then it's straight to WWT Raceway, which should tell you – which, by the way, I should mention that uh, WWT Raceway will continue to be the third to last on the schedule, and that's good because it's a very important place on the schedule, uh, and it's a pretty good track. That means that there's no Pocono. So Pocono is out, Richmond's in. I don't hate that move. I understand the history of safety at Pocono. My only complaint is that we only have one Indianapolis 500-like track, and that's the Indianapolis 500. There's no track similar to that anywhere on the calendar And that's the only reason I don't like leaving Pocono, but I totally get it because of their history of safety. And it's not, it's like, it's a shock. We talked about this Mm -hmm. a week ago, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah, not a shock. Not a shock. Uh, Speaking of not a shock, here's the 2020 F1 schedule. Uh, Australia, uh, this is in order, Australia, Bahrain, Vietnam, China, uh, Holland, the Dutch Grand Prix, uh, Spain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, Canada, France, Austria, Great Britain, Hungary, Belgium, Italy, Singapore, Russia. Yeah, you get the impression this is a long schedule. It's gonna be a long year, and it doesn't end until almost December. Japan, Mexico, <laughs> United States, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. Twenty-two dates, and we have some new additions. Uh, we have the Vietnamese Grand Prix. That'll be interesting. They say Vietnam. The track design is something that F1 wants to use moving forward. It's going to be a hybrid street and permanent circuit. Uh, so I think the back part is going to be on streets, and the the really technical bits are going to be purpose-built. If that track works, that being said, I don't think it will be. It looks like a really jank-looking track layout. Yeah. And, but if and it we wor- have, yeah, if it works... Great. Yeah. But uh, we also have Zandvoort being added, which That's is an, just about which is it's... another big question mark. I don't un- I don't understand how Zandvoort is going to work. We don't know yet. Unless you bank that last turn. Which they'll do. Which they'll do. So, yeah, it's going to be – God, that's an intense year. That's got uh, five more races than – the IndyCar schedule mm-hmm. and the IndyCar schedule is no joke. Like it's no. a pretty full schedule. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year. Yeah. Um. It, it it's man. Uh. I just I. This year is already ending in, in almost in December, so I guess this year is just gonna start a little earlier. I think it is March thirteenth through the Australian Grand Prix. Um. Monaco. Yeah. Monaco still on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Here's an interesting note is, you know, what's missing there is Germany, like we all expected. Um, That hurts. That really hurts because I think Germany is one of those countries where you talk about the spiritual home of motorsport at Silverstone. I think that Germany can lay an equal claim to the spiritual home of uh, to a being a spiritual home of motorsport. Right. Like to me, the country of Germany is right alongside like Indianapolis and Daytona and you know the country of Great Britain in being this is where we have roots and it really hurts to not have uh you know the Hockenheim ring or Nürburgring on there yeah and i mean i guess we're going to find out how vietnam goes yeah so i don't know we're going to find out it's going to be a good year yeah. 2020 is going to be exciting. Hey, there's nothing wrong with some extra things, some extra races to run. And there was a great quote by Kimi Raikkonen as we move it over into 
the title into the uh, awards. There's a great quote by Kimi Raikkonen that was uh, that was like they asked him about a 22 race uh, calendar. And he said, "Well, NASCAR does 36, and America's a effing big com- country." <laughs> Bless you, Kimi yeah. Raikkonen. I, re- I realize from Azerbaijan to Canada is a bigger haul, but also. Uh, Y'all, NASCAR teams aren't exactly rich. <laughs> exactly. So, They're not swimming in money. No, no. All right, so let's move it on to the awards. Uh, do you hear that noise? Do you hear that that little piece of music? That little... Yeah, there it is. That means it's time for the wreck of the week. <clears throat> you first, sir. All right, I want to nominate Ryan Hunter Ray. He fought his teammate, Alexander Rossi, on the opening laps of the race. Mind you, it was lap 14, and the green flew, I think, at lap 12. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, the green flew at lap 12. So four, four la- or three laps into the race, he fought his teammate on the front stretch. Uh, and uh, he crashed out in T1, almost took out his teammate who's gunning for the championship. What was he thinking? <sighs> and your second nomination, sir? Uh, Graham Rahal, uh, he went bowling on the bottom half of the field, got a strike, and took about just about the entire back half. Again, racing for the first turn on a, ra- on a race that's like, you know, 100-plus laps. Yeah. It's that was just apocalyptically stupid. I know you have some nominees. I, Let's I hear. I do them. have a nominee. I, I I don't think I'm going to nominate the rest because they're just making me sad at this point. Like Reno, looking at you guys. Um, it, no, is I'm that gonna... possibly a wall of shame candidate for Reno? <sighs> we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Put a pin in that one for next time. Yep. Uh, to be TBD. We're going to let uh, let the jury be out on that as you have jury duty coming up here soon. Um, I'm going to nominate Max Verstappen. Mad Max. He goes into turn one and does just such a stupid dive Mm -hmm. to the inside. He knows it's going to be multiple wide. I guess he just thinks that if he shows anybody a wheel, they're going to jump out of the way for him. He was actually technically off the track. He was outside the track boundaries diving into the very inside of the turn. There's no way he's going to make that turn. Even if he gets through, it's not going to work. He's going into a disappearing a wedge that isn't even there. Mm. It's it was just unbelievably boneheaded on in my opinion. So I'll remove the first one, and I'm going to remove uh, Graham Rahal. Completely agree. Uh, because it was stupid. It was just about the exact same incident. But Graham Rahal, uh, it was all on him. But to me, uh, he didn't have as much to lose. Mm. Um, Max Verstappen could have not made a pass, finished fifth, and had a plenty fine week at a track where. Uh, Red Bull Honda is probably at its weakest. Um, Graham Ray Hall was in the back of the pack. I, I understand a little bit of oomph on when you're in the back of the pack, right? Yep. Um, here's the thing. I'm going to eliminate the second one. You're going to eliminate. Uh, you're gonna Max Verstappen. You're going to eliminate Max Verstappen. I am. I was prepared to fight. I'm not going to fight <laughs> that because Ryan Hunter Ray for me had a. It was premeditated. It was stupid. And he, I just you don't hurt your team. You hurt your team. You hurt yourself. And and it's just why, <laughs> just why? You know, Max. Yeah, okay. You're being boneheaded. You you know you're feeling your swagger. There's a new teammate in town. You're trying to you know throw your weight around. The Orange Army is out in force. You're gonna you're gonna do something like I don't know a 22 year old kid might do. Throw it into the corner. Ryan Hunter Ray, and the in the almost the crescendo of the championship decides to tr- all to sabotage his teammate 
What are you doing? <laughs> what are you thinking? What? What? I mean, Gren, you know, I'm sure if, if I... you want to race your teammate, you race them in Detroit, baby. You right. race them you... when there's time to make it up. Later. Right. When there's when you may have a shot. Right. You know, you don't. Ryan, you're out, buddy. What are you doing? <laughs> yes. What are you thinking? <sighs> yeah. So yeah, that's my re- that's the wreck of the week. I completely agree okay. with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Good Congratulations to, to Ryan Hunter Ray. We'll send you, your trophy. Will be in the mail shortly. We're not paying for insurance on it because if it gets beat up. Well, you almost beat up somebody's championship hopes. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, that and means. What, what is that noise? Oh, that means it's time for. The People's Champion! <clears throat> my headphones. Good lord. <laughs> blow out my eardrums. Oh, man. Would you, would you look at the waveform for this one? That was a. That's, that's a, a good one. That's a beauty. Look at that. <laughs> All right. Well, that I'll means do, I will do the first one, and right. I will let you go for what I think is going to be the likely winner. All right. Uh, go Jack, ahead. Jack Harvey for applauding Ryan Hunter. <laughs> Ray. All of motorsport needs more of that sassiness. Well done, bud. Way to go. <laughs> but I think that I I I know I knew that he wasn't going to win for that. I know Jack Harvey wasn't going to win for that. But I felt like he needed a nod because you gotta love a little bit of that, right? Like <laughs> just a little bit of. Way to way, go, way to knucklehead. Go. <laughs> nice. Of, of Jack Harvey, of all people, who is what not. what we're all doing in the crowd. <laughs> way to go, bud. Good job. Yeah. Uh, the People's Championship, the People's Champion, I think, is going to go to the entire motorsports community. Um, by and large, I think everybody did a good job of laying down their, their guns, so to speak, and being like, yo. Taking a moment. When a man passes, it becomes about so much more than... And not just a man. When a when a competitor passes mm-hmm. in a sport like this where, you know, danger is, an, is, is, a, is a part of the nature, not just a side benefit, you know, it, it, it was very, very nice to see yeah. that they could put everything aside and take a moment of silence mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah. I know NASCAR doesn't NASCAR fans don't like F1 fans, don't like IndyCar fans, don't like you know endurance racing fans, right? Uh there's a lot of mixing in between them, but for the most, you know, a lot of people are, you know, this way is the highway or the highway. I, you to see everybody go, no, this is this is something bigger and it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, hey, we might be a dysfunctional family, but we are a family and it's never okay to see a man of that age or of any age pass away doing something like that. And I, I, like I said, to begin with, you can only hope that it sparks changes and that save lives in the future. And it, it creates a community thing to where you're like, Hey, you know, it, I appreciate now more than I ever did what I'm seeing and, and how special it is that there are people here who want to do this and that put their lives on the line. Race car driving isn't glamour. Like, you, people think, you know, oh, hey, you know, it's all glitz and glamour. But, like, you're putting your life on the line constantly. Uh, you know, it, it's hard work. If you mess up, you could be, you know, your limbs, your body. It. Yeah, it could be it. Um, and hopefully people grow to understand that more. Yeah. So I think that is going to be our people's champion. Yeah, the motorsports community. Completely agree. Do you have a Alex Albon. Alex Albon. Before the race, after the practices, so nervous that he did not know what to do with his hands. <laughs> it was a, it was a, he was, he had his hands like this, he had his hands like this. But in the, in the, if you go to Red Bull's Instagram and you look at their, 
their live videos and they and he it's he he's there and he goes I, I think that it's this and he's obviously giving a very measured answer but he's nervous as can be it's he's, almost he, cute it, it, it was adorable <laughs> so it's like I was thrilled to see it and you know obviously he went on to have a really good weekend so I was thrilled for him uh, uh best thing I saw all week um I'm going this is a really out there out out there selection but when the race was starting in Portland and they had these onboard cameras and I took notice of the sky and how beautiful the sky was <laughs> like it looked photoshopped it was so beautiful and it was kind of just one of those things where it's like I, I was sitting in the drag tower at WWT and I was you know, nice there the sky is nice on TV there's racing going on and it was the day after uh, obviously the incident that claimed to Antoine Hubert's life it was just one of those things where I'm like you know what Life's gonna be okay. Uh, so I'm I'm doing a little like weird nod to an ex- an, how- a weird existential nod to. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so like uh, yeah, you know what it is what it is. All right. So uh, next week uh, the Italian GP, and uh, we'll obviously have some more IndyCar news coming out as we near closer and closer to the championship. We also have an announcement uh, during the Singapore GP review. We'll be doing that alongside the Outlap F1 podcast. They will be joining us, Skyping in, and we'll do one big collective train wreck of a podcast. It's going to be great. So uh, without any further ado, I'm Luke. I'm at Formation Lap 101. And I'm Tim at S. Tim. Oh, my goodness. Can you edit that? <laughs> no, this is stated. Oh, my God. At Tim STLF1. You messed up your own I Twitter handle. So- <laughs> it's been a long episode, man. It has. It has. So thank you, everybody, for sticking with us this week. We promise we'll be a little more concise next week, but there's so much to happen this week. And uh, without any further ado, we'll see you guys next week. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. Ah, aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreements. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine 0% APR while supplies last. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!